Hey y'all, if you've seen me on Instagram, I'm in my summer glow phase and I am unapologetic about it. My hair is luscious. Fun fact, I didn't start properly treating and doing my own hair until I was a grown adult because like many black adoptees, no one showed me how to do my own hair. And because I love you all so much, I'm going to share with you my hair secret. I'm always on the lookout for things you'd love and things that will enhance your well-being inside and out. We Unique Cosmetics sent me their Moisture Lock pomade and scalp and hair therapy oil from their metamorphosis line and it's so decadent light and nourishing fam this has become a hair routine staple it has a soft lemongrass scent that people comment on when i walk by or when they're doing my hair because now i have boho locks they also sent me a 15 percent discount link for you to try their products and hair tutorial service and unique cosmetics is black owned and operated by a mother and daughter duo dedicated to helping the adoptee community check out the link in the show notes and this is for all ages fam so tell your friends so come on embark on a hair loving journey with we unique world from interactive workshops to premium products they're all about empowering you to embrace your unique hair journey. Because remember, all hair is good hair, especially when it's healthy. Hey friends, happy Saturday to you. Okay, so on Instagram, I let you know that I'm taking a hiatus after this episode. These last few weeks have been trying indeed. Oh my gosh. I lost seven interviews during an upgrade two weeks ago including a bunch of when they were young files, interviews, documents. My Mac was going through a routine upgrade and for some reason it wiped out my desktop and documents. All of them, fam, all of them are gone. It's incredibly disappointing, frustrating, losing all of that content I worked for, for, I don't know, a few years. It's been an accumulation of a few years worth of work. Now losing content I worked for so hard is demoralizing because of the sinking feeling of starting over. Now some of these things can be replaced quite easily. Other things cannot, like these interviews. You know what's interesting? I was about to list ways in which the experience itself has made me grateful, but I abruptly stopped. (laughs) I stopped myself. Sometimes we are so quick to appear strong and resilient and tenacious and fierce and a baddie that we don't want to burden others with our realities. We begin to diminish the truth, our truth of how we're feeling in that moment. We rush past it, allowing, not allowing ourselves to just be frustrated. I'm frustrated. I'm less frustrated today than I was last week when I was on the phone with Apple for hours, but it is disappointing. It's easy to spiritually bypass these things by saying that there is a mystic reason. I don't know. I don't know if there's a reason. Nor am I searching for a higher reason that would make this disappointment okay. Now I'm focused on how do I recover? Where can I salvage and redeem some of this work? I cannot approach it with the same fervor I initially had. I now have to energetically pivot. This time, as I re-interview people, a lot of people have been so gracious about it, thank you so much, and rewrite some of these documents, a play that I have lost, 
I am just leading with where am I now? How do I feel? I'm not trying to recreate what happened, what content I had before. The past is gone. Those words are gone. So as I approach these items, these interviews, these plays, I will, I will look at them afresh, anew, as if we've never been here before. I do want to leave on a high note. <laughs> All of that, and can you believe it? I want to leave on a high note. I want to give you some incredible knowledge I acquired from reading Attached, the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love by Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller. Now, this love isn't just romantic. It's familial as well. I was just broken open by this book. I had heard rumblings of this book from various friends And then finally on a podcast, someone listed it as one of the single most pivotal books that changed their dating life. So of course, I went straight to Amazon to get my life changed. I needed to be rocked. I have really struggled with relationships with my family and romantic relationships this this year and maybe my whole life. Who knows? (laughs) Now, this book is a must for many reasons, and we're not even sponsored by these people, by this book. They have no idea that I exist, but this has been instrumental for me, and I recommend this book to anyone who has to drink water to survive or encounters human beings. That's how high I endorse this book. My therapist was so annoyed with me because I kept on referencing this book (laughs) like scripture. It has helped me understand my family members and the people I've dated. Like I get them now and I can just omit a lot of suffering from the knowledge of just seeing them, empathizing with them, and then also just giving them the distance that some of them deserve, right? My therapist did end up sending me an article in solidarity about disordered attachment, anxious attachment, and avoidant attachment, as well as a secure attachment. And I will leave that in the show notes for those of you who just want to get a little taste of what I'm talking about. Now, this book is a science. When I told a few of my friends about this book, they were more concerned about the titles, like this is a horoscope or something. It's not, it's not typology. These styles these, these ways of attachment were aggregated from over two decades of studying babies and how they cope with absence of a caregiver. Now, these attachments were a survival mechanism that we used to endure the environment that we were raised in. Historically speaking, human beings lived in tight-knit clans and groups in order to secure a future. For those born into hostile environments, hostile situations, this was a strategy to detach and be self-sufficient, which I think resonates with a lot of adoptees out there. Unfortunately, becoming avoidant, avoidant attachment is one of the, the many attachments, is not conducive to thriving relationships and therefore the survival of the species. 
However, you can learn to become more secure if you're avoidant or anxious. I've found that with my family, I am avoidant. And with my career and romantic partners, I am anxious. I'm anxiously attached. So it's situational as well. So let's get into these attachment styles. Now with avoidant attachment and anxious attachment, both of these attachment styles want to want intimacy. They want closeness, but they go about it in unhealthy ways. There are some pros to both of these attachment styles, but there are a lot of negatives as well. I resonate with anxious attachment more often than not. And in the book on page 86, they talk about protest behavior for the anxious attachment style. And this style, it's called letting your attachment style get the best of you. So this style has excessive attempts to reestablish contact They may call excessively, texting or emailing many times, waiting for a phone call. Withdrawing is another trait. Keeping score, paying attention to how long it took them to return your phone call and then waiting just as long to return theirs. So there's some game playing there, right? Acting hostile, rolling your eyes when they speak, looking away, getting up and leaving the room while they're talking. These are all anxious traits. They also list threatening to leave, making threats. We're not getting along. I don't think I can do this anymore. I knew we weren't really right for one another. I'll be better off without you and then leave. And then there's also manipulation, acting busy or unapproachable, ignoring phone calls, saying you have plans when you don't. So these are some of the protest behaviors of anxious attachment. One of the things that is a pro of anxiously attached people is that they know how to read emotional cues. They are quite attuned to them, actually. Empathic, I would say. I would call myself empathic. And so therefore, you're very attentive to what other people need. You're always, it's very much like people pleasing, to be honest, if we go all the way back to codependency, but you are constantly trying to read the room, read the person across from you, trying to gauge how you should interact with them and how deep the intimacy goes. Conversely, avoidant attachment styles really struggle to read emotional cues and don't understand why you're mad. They also talk about how if you're in the dating realm and you're anxiously attached, you need to avoid avoidant attachment styles. It never goes well for us. And so this is really tricky when you have family members who are avoidant because how do you navigate this situation? They break it down on page 97. If you're anxious, you should be dating someone secure because you want closeness and intimacy. They are comfortable with closeness and don't try to push you away. You are more sensitive to any signs of rejection. They are more consistent and reliable. You find it hard to tell them directly what you need and what's bothering you. They 
see your well-being as a top priority and do their best to read your verbal and nonverbal cues. There are some more listed, so please check that out. When it comes to avoidant attachment styles, instead of protesting, they have something categorized as deactivation. Some common deactivation strategies for the avoidance are saying or thinking, I'm not ready to commit, but staying together nonetheless, sometimes for years, focusing on small imperfections in your partner, friend, or family member, the way they talk, dress, eat, or fill in the blank, and allowing it to get in the way of your of your feelings, pining after an ex-partner, thinking, oh, they used to be so great, or being overly nostalgic, flirting, disrespecting you in public, finding public ways to demean, demoralize, or shame you, not saying I love you while implying that you do have feelings towards the other person, pulling away when things are going well, and this can manifest in picking fights, forming relationships with an impossible future, such as someone who is married, someone who is attached to someone else, checking out mentally when your partner is talking, keeping secrets and leaving things foggy to maintain your feelings of independence. Again, there are more listed. Please check them out on page 117. And then finally, we get to tapping into the secure mindset, creating a secure base for your partner and family. This is on page 147. As you recall, one of the most important roles we play in our partners, families, friends, lives is providing a secure base, creating the conditions that enable our partners to pursue their interests and explore the world in confidence. Secure people are listed as be available respond sensitively to their distress, allow them to be dependent on you when they feel the need, check in with them from time to time and provide comfort when things go wrong. Don't interfere. Provide behind-the-scenes support for their endeavors, help in a way that leaves them with the initiative and the feeling of power. Allow them to do their own thing without trying to take over the situation, micromanage, or undermine their confidence and abilities. Encourage. Provide encouragement and be accepting of their learning and personal growth goals. Boost their self-esteem. Now, this is huge, not only for adoptees, but for parents as well, right? Because you have a lot of parents who are anxiously attached to their kids. That manifests in them feeling insecure about the adoptee seeking out their biological families. If they were secure, they would not feel insecure about the adoptees researching and looking into their past, looking into forming relationships with their biological families. So, Circling back to this list right here for securely attached people, don't interfere. Provide behind-the-scenes support for their endeavors. Help in a way that leaves them with the initiative and the feeling of power. This is a mic drop in the adoption community. (laughs) 
it is imperative that we come to a place as human beings that we are more securely attached to one another. Now you see that this book can be applied to every relationship under the sun. That is why I'm promoting it so very hard. And that is why I feel like it's scripture now in my life. I wish I could read you this entire book, but I can't. If you want to learn more about this science and how to identify when you're activating or deactivating, when you're having protest behavior, get the book. I'd recommend getting a hard copy so that you can reference it when you start to activate or deactivate. It's literally on my bedside. Not even that. It's like, it's just on the floor where I meditate. So it's easily accessible. (laughs) There are friends and family members in my life that are avoidant, which is so very hard for an anxiously attached person, right? We want to people please. We want... We want validation. We want them to reassure us that we're going to be okay, that we're secure in this partnership. But avoidance cannot do that. And there's really no way around it unless that avoidant does the inner work. People who perceived me as the enemy, oh yes, but here's another golden nugget, right? So the avoidant, The avoidant who, again, desires closeness. They want intimacy so bad, but they're constantly conflicted because they also want their independence. They don't want that independence, that autonomy threatened by any of the closeness or intimacy that the anxiously attached person brings to the table. So those who are in the inner circle of the avoidant they a lot of times are treated very poorly. As I listed before, avoidance are hypercritical. Little things set them off. Little things are annoying and will have them critique you, will have them kind of poke and prod at you. And we all have people in our family that is just hypercritical of you, which is fascinating because this is their way of telling you that they want love. They don't know how to reconcile with this feeling of desiring closeness, desiring your your proximity, but also wanting their autonomy. And so a lot of people who are avoidantly attached create this inner circle where they treat people extremely bad. They treat them poorly and everyone else outside of that inner circle are like, wow, that person's so charming. That person's so, so great and wonderful. What a great dad. And then you're like, my dad, why, why are they speaking so highly about my dad when he, when he treats me so bad? (laughs) You hear this all the time in families when it comes to abuse, whether it be emotional or physical that the abuser is quite charismatic with everybody outside of the inner circle. But those within the inner circle, they treat extremely bad. So they call this becoming the enemy for the avoidant. I have people close to me who view me as the enemy, and I had no idea. I'm like, why are they so mean? (laughs) Why do they treat me so bad, so poorly? 
What have I done? All I've tried to do as an anxiously attached person is try to get closer to them. And yet they push me away even more. And then in moments where we have this really blissful, intimate affair of where we go out to dinner, and this can be romantic or platonic, right? I'm talking about families, friends, romance, all of it when I when I refer to this, right? So you have this really bonding moment, which is euphoric for the anxiously attached. But for the avoidant, they love it when it's happening, but then that causes them to deactivate and they push you away. They stop returning your phone calls. They are slower to respond when you talk to them. All of these things like they start to retreat. I just want to acknowledge that these things show up in people differently. It's not going to be the same in your family as it is for mine. But now I get it. Sometimes just having a name for something, that that structure creates a freedom of choice. You can either be consumed by trying with someone who will not or may never budge, or you can release them and continue to work to fortify yourself. I chose the latter. I am fortifying myself right now. I'll just be over here. Don't mind me. I am on a healing journey that is riddled with solitude. However, when I do want to spend time with people, I now can easily identify where they stand in their attachment styles. Are they deactivating? Are they flaring up? Are they creating feelings of abandonment in me and activating my core wound of my needs not being enough or I am not worthy of being protected? The book even has worksheets that you can fill out about past dating life. For those of you struggling to date in these streets, (laughs) the majority of my exes were avoidant. That was revelatory for me. No wonder it was all games and suffering, right? Anywho, I want to leave you on a high note, and I'm not leaving for good. I hope this was nourishing to you. Even though I'm stepping away, I will continue plotting wonderful ways in which we can connect again, heal, grow, and flourish. Just between you and me, I've already got some incredible ideas in the works. Send me luck that these things come to fruition, okay? It will change everything. Sending you all the good thoughts, all the grace, all the glory. Talk to you soon. Another beautiful episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to my guest today. If you liked this episode, the best way to support me and this work is to write an iTunes review, a five-star review. (laughs) This helps us reach the top of searches and helps more people to find us. And if you personally want to connect, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook. And I have some great resource material on my website at laniceantoinshelly.com. So go on over there too. Until next we meet, go gently and have courage, my love.